Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Matt's like, mm, not enough. Guy's like, I'll give you $500 for that chew. And Matt says, here's the deal. I will give you this partially used can of chew. You're going to make that lawsuit I got in Canada go away. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, well, well. UFC 293 is here, and what a press conference we had from Sydney yesterday. But before we get into all of that, I want to give some very wise advice to a couple of UFC heavyweights, and I'm also going to talk about the Nelk boys versus Andrew Schultz. I'm aware this happened a month ago, but it just came across my desk, and it's worth breaking down. Bet you didn't expect that. And of course, lots more UFC 293 preview, but before all of that, guys, let's begin here. Dylan Dennis got served legal paperwork from Miss Nina, and she is the girlfriend and I believe the fiance of Logan Paul. Now, I might be telling you old stuff that you know, but let's get into what this looks like. Allegedly, because you got to understand, this is from Dylan's Twitter. So Twitter obstructs you. It used to be 140 characters. I think that that has grown, but you get my point that your information is very limited. So Dylan gets right to the point. He says, look, I'm being sued. It is a massive lawsuit. He even said that it was a federal lawsuit, and it also encompassed a restraining order. Dylan then did make the comment that we're all wondering, does that mean the fight is in jeopardy? So... Restraining orders are an interesting thing that I must tell you I'm not an expert in. I've heard this term a whole bunch of times, but I don't know anybody that's had one. Like if any of my buddies got a restraining order against them, they didn't tell me. So I don't I don't have really great insight, but I do know roughly. I'll get you uh, partway there. There's X amount of feet that you cannot be within the person who filed the restraining order, if the restraining order is granted. And I believe that that is 500 feet. Now, I bring that to you because even if it's a different amount of feet, you can see where the importance of that would come. But if you were to have a restraining order as it pertains to the fight, I don't believe that that would carry to a different country. Even, even if it was two Americans that did this in an American court certified, I don't know that that would have anything to do with a fight that's going on in England. And I'm bringing that to you just because I don't, I don't quite know what the tie-in is. But I would understand from Dylan's perspective, if he wasn't to say, knock it off, or I'm not coming over there to fight. And, and you do have to understand that Dylan has massive hand in this. Like, you can faint anger with Dylan to the highest level. You can show bravado. You, you could do all the things that as a man, you believe that you're supposed to do. You can. But you also gotta understand it's a different bucket. Right? I mean, this goes into a different bucket of fight promotion. Jake Paul came out over the weekend and let the world know that Dylan 
as far as compensation, has agreed to a set fee. He is not in on the business, meaning he's not getting back into money. Now, in all fairness, Dylan, at the time that they signed the fight, who really wanted to go and do the fight, wasn't in a position to do that. It was a co-main event. Is it even going to happen? We're going to do you a solid, but we are going to bring in Mike Perry just in case. I mean, I'm, I'm taking you back to let you know that when this negotiation was done, this fight, the magnitude of it, the fact that it has greatly overshadowed the entire card, including the main event, none of those things were true at the time that the deal was signed. This was Dylan saying, hey, I want to get busy. I want to get back out there. Got an opponent for me. So you can see where Dylan would, would agree to something like this. But it's very important that you do understand that detail that Jake offered to us, that Dylan isn't getting back in money, because if Dylan wanted to go sit on his hands right now, he could. Had he sat on his hands right now, his job is going to be the same. He's got a flight, he's got a, a weight to make, he's got some gloves to put on, he's got a, a boxing match to do, he's got a check to collect, put everything in reverse, come back home. So when you have somebody like Dylan who isn't going to be compensated but took promotion into his own hands, he's done $10 million or more worth of promotion for you. There is an appreciation to that. Or at least it would appear to me that there should be. Are you guys following? Are you guys following and understand what I'm talking about? Because if Dylan was to now come in and go, hey, because things are different now. Right? He had to negotiate. He had assigned to a flat fee with no backing points. He has now built something that is colossally huge. If Dylan doesn't participate in that event, that event looks very different. I think they have something there, by the way. I think the KSI and this this this, this Fury kid, and I'm, I think that they have something there. I'm not talking about they go and ruin the entire event. I think Mike Perry versus Logan, I think there's something there. But I think that if you look at it, you understand that you do get back-end money, and therefore, every single thing that Dylan does that helps to add to the fight that doesn't help him, but it does help you, I think that you would be able to look at that a little bit objectively and say, and now I'm trying to hurt him? Now I'm trying to get him knee-deep in a lawsuit? I'm trying to get a restraining order put against him? It, it just seems to me like a little bit of a tough thing. And if Dylan wanted to say, here's how we're going to resolve this, you're going to knock that off. I'm not. I'm not going to stop anything. But the size of your ring and the crowd at that wedding and what the honeymoon looks like is going to be a lot different because of my actions. I mean, not for nothing. It is important to understand it from that perspective. I'm friends with Dylan. I'll disclose that to you. I see what Dylan puts out there. My wife follows it and reads it to me. I speak to Dylan on a fairly regular basis. I don't know Miss Nina's last name. And I'm not trying to be a condescending prick at all. I don't know what her last name is. I found out today that her name was Nina. I share that with you because whatever she is feeling in her own bubble, it's just that. It's not like a round. It's, it's not one of those things. It's making the fight between her famous fiance and Dylan that much more interesting. But the damage actually being done to her, I will share for you, at least from my perspective, and feel free to disagree. Maybe I don't have my thumb on this thing. I didn't know what her name was until this morning. I had to double check. I've never seen that name before of Nina. I still don't know the last name. And I read it. 
I'm only sharing for you that that bucket is set to serve a purpose and that purpose doesn't help Dylan. That purpose helps her fiance. Now you, you do what you want with that. Let's take a look from a little bit of a different perspective because whether the lawsuit has merit or not, whether it could carry on or not, it's annoying, right? It's, it's going to be a nuisance that Dylan would rather not deal with, oh, and by the way, what does it mean? What does it mean? If, if I'm going to fight this restraining order, where do I fight it? Can I fight it in my courts? Do I got to go to your courts? Where'd you file this thing at? It's, very re- it's extremely relevant that you would know that. Dylan would have to go and fight it. But if Dylan has, to my understanding of restraining order, if Dylan has never invaded her space in the first place, you're not going to get a reasonable court to put a 500-foot barrier on it. He's never broken that barrier to start with, right? You would have to break the barrier. You would have to be in somebody's face. You would have to be, which is why, oh, you got to stay back. So even if it doesn't have merit, I'm I'm just sharing with you, you're still dealing with the hassle. I was in Canada fighting for Bodog. Matt Lindland, who's not only my roommate, he's my corner man, but we we stayed in the same room, gets invited out. He's going to go out on the town with Phil Baroni. And Lindland and Phil Baroni were like oil and water particularly at that time. But they were both out there. They were looking for something to do. It was Phil's idea. I think that Matt saw it more as like an opportunity to mend defense with it, with his great enemy more than it was to get out of the hotel because I'm bored. Either way, something ends up happening. And it happens with a waitress and Matt and the police are called. And it was something silly, by the way. She was like cleaning a table. And she, she was she had a spray thing and she she sprayed it on the table and it like gets on Matt. Matt like grabs it and sprays it back in her direction. Like, hey, what are you doing? She calls the police and, and then it wasn't just an assault. It was like a, a chemical this. Like it got really weird and really embellished. It turned out that she was the girlfriend of a gangster from town. So, but these gangsters had a, a fight club and they traveled with Bodog. There was like four or five of them that were MMA fighters. And then they're all cornered by fellow members. So we end up over in Russia months later. Matt's got this lawsuit in Canada. He lives in America. How am I going to deal with it? I either don't, I either lose the lawsuit by default, but I just simply don't return to Canada, which is a problem when he signed with Bodog, who's out of Canada, or I got to get lawyers. I got to fly over there. I got to do this whole thing repeatedly, make this go away. We're in Russia. And one of the gang members is out of tobacco. And what he didn't know when he got on the plane and flew to Russia is that they don't sell tobacco in Russia, at least not the loose kind of chew tobacco that he was looking for. But Matt Lindland had a can of Copenhagen. Well, Matt Lindland also wasn't aware that they don't sell it. He's running a little bit low himself. So he takes and he puts a chew in and the guy says, hey, let me get that can. Matt's like, nah, I can't help you. The guy's like, I'll give you $100 for that can of chew. Matt's like, "Mm, not enough. Guy's like, I'll give you $500 for that chew. And Matt says, here's the deal. I will give you this partially used can of chew. You're going to make that lawsuit I got in Canada go away. The guy pauses and thinks about it, accepts the deal. Matt slides in the can. The dude makes a call and that lawsuit was gone. I mean, I'm just sharing with you, like, there's ways to, right? There's some things that people want. And I do think that this is being mislooked at. I don't know enough about it, in all fairness. Like, I know that Dylan is posting photos. My understanding of that is not that those are photoshopped or that Dylan has purchased secret photos from somebody, right? Something risque that you might hear about. My understanding of that is that he got them from her. 
that she posted them on her social media and Dylan copy and pasted them and posted them on his. That's my understanding. If I have that part wrong, please correct me. But that's what I think is happening. And the truth being an absolute defense would just make this whole thing very silly. But if you have somebody and they got some money and they got some time on their hands and not to mention they really like attention, right? I'm going to go get attention by pretending that I don't like this attention. Like, the whole thing gets very weird. But when you have influencers, I mean, believe me, that camera is a drug. And they need that attention. They need a certain kind of attention. So if I put the pictures and I put them over here, I got a certain reaction. But if you took the same photo and you put it over here, it got a different reaction. And now I'm not happy. The whole thing gets a little bit weird. And... To have a lack of appreciation for what Dylan is doing, to Jake's point, he's not getting back in. So why is he building it? The whole reason you give a guy points, by the way, it is the most generous thing that I have personally seen in business. And you could bring any business that you want in. When you give somebody back in points, you're going to take all the risk. If it works, to a certain extent, you're then going to give them money, right? They just became your partner. You can't get a partnership without writing a check. You have to buy in. They're going to give it to somebody. Now, just so you understand, that is with the hope that this 1099 employee, 1099 independent contractor, rather, will show up to the media dates that you set up. You can't enforce that. You have no ability to enforce it. And without those media, media dates, you have no promotion. So it's a conversation that you never even have. You never even need to explain to the person why I'm giving you these points. They know. Everybody knows. There's going to be things that are expected of me aside from the fight. The other guys on the card only have to show up and fight. I have to do other things. Dylan was not incentivized with those other things, but he took it on like a partner and did them anyway. Now, you can either appreciate that or you can be a dick. Schultz versus the Nelk Boys. You guys catch this interview? Now, this was one of the hotter spots of the week for me from an entertainment standpoint. Let me start from the beginning. I have Googled the Nelk Boys. Now, these guys, I got no heat with them. They seem like perfectly nice guys. They seem like hard workers. They, they, they seem to have some contacts. They're not afraid to put some hours in. I mean, I could pay some real compliments there. But I will share with you, as far as the backstory, I'm a little bit in the dark. These guys broke into MMA straight through Dana White. And I'm talking about back access and they're videoing and they're they're doing a number of different things with MMA that for the most part is very hard to trace back to its origin. I mean, I, I looked into them, you're called the Nelk Boys. Okay, I'm going to assume we got brothers here named Nelk. And I don't now think that that is the case. And I, I tried to look in like, where did they come from? What is their power? What is their magnitude? They got some followers on social media. And they do a lot of podcasting, and they're pretty consistent about it. I don't think any of that was an insult, right? Not meant to be, trying to set the stage. Because then you got Andrew Schultz. And Andrew Schultz has turned in to a very big deal for online entertainment. I met Schultz through Bellator. Scott Coker flew me out to New York and wanted me to do an interview with Andrew Schultz on a show called Flagrant. And I was not aware of his numbers. I was not aware how big and successful this was. And I've only done one other podcast where I have felt it. But like, that's an interesting word to use, that where you have felt it, where you'll be walking down the street and somebody will say, hey, Kachan, and that was Rogan. Hey, Kachan Rogan. 
I'll get a uh, text to my private number. My Twitter lights up. I mean, I've done a number of interviews, but I don't ever feel it. And then I do Schultz's guy was huge. So if you can get a like guy like that to come and be your guest, like this is the model for building anything online. Whether it works or not, I have my own thoughts on it. I'll just share with you. That's the model. You go out, you get somebody that's got really good numbers. You have him on. He hope, you hope that he advertises for you. You hope to grab and share some of his viewers and build your own channel, right? Like that isn't rocket science. I'm just sharing that's how it's done. And when you're a guy like Andrew Schultz, who is very big, Flagrant does really, really well. I would imagine that's a difficult guest to get. I just would imagine, as nice as Schultz is, that he gets asked those a lot, and you can only get pulled in so many different directions. So there's Schultz, right? There's your setup. Now you got your split screen. Schultz by himself. The Nelk boy is over here. And you go about 20 minutes in, and Schultz is performing. Schultz has showed up to be a good guest, which is what he had agreed to do. Doing his part. He's being funny. He's making some level of content that people want to see. They're not. They're not. They are laying an egg with almost no effort. And at one point, dude takes out his phone. It appears that he's texting. He, at a minimum, is reading something on his phone. It appears that he's sending a text while they're doing a live back and forth. And you can get away with that. No problem. If you're having a conversation, everything's going good. You're, you're putting the guy over. You're building him up. They were doing nothing, and he took a break right in front of Schultz. And it's not Schultz's show, right? Like, Schultz doesn't need to turn in. X amount of minutes for this show. He could help him out with that 20 minutes that he already did. It'd be the guest for the day and everybody'd be great. But Schultz stays very calm. But he let he let him know that that irritated him. I'm trying to act the way Schultz acted in case you didn't see it. He stays very calm. But he does let him know that he has human feelings. The guy asked him, is there something wrong? And Schultz answered the question, yeah. You don't appear to be prepared today. Not only are you not prepared today, I think I just saw you take a text. So the guy, <laughs> now, the guy was pretty smooth, right? Like that could put you in a couple of different positions. That might piss you off, but it also might embarrass you. It also might make you realize you're, oh my goodness, you're right. I'm, and put that phone down. Dude rolled flawlessly into claiming that he had notes on his phone. He had notes on his phone about Schultz and about the interview. He was prepared. He just needed to look down at his notes. So Schultz rolls right with it. Now, Schultz knows he's lying, but he just rolls right with it. He doesn't call him a liar. He says, okay, well, then ask me what question was on there. And the guy's like, yeah, well, I was, I was going to because, you know, I was looking at my phones. I, I take some notes and I, it's just, there was some stuff. He starts buying himself time. Right. There was no note. There was no question. He still couldn't form a question. Even after saying he looked down and had the question, the whole thing's a lie. So Schultz told me, he said, hey, I, I don't know if this is a character. He said, I don't know you well enough. I, I, I don't know if you're performing right now or, or if you are legitimately this incompetent in that role. But you can't have a guest on and not know about him. And, and I'll tell you what I think Schultz was trying to say, what he was trying to say. 
If the dude had notes on his phone, I mean, let's just say that you did that. First off, you're a weird guy if you do that. You ever seen somebody, they got a speech to give and they pull out their phone? Don't do that. For one, don't do that. But secondly, if you did have notes on your phone, legitimately, because you weren't familiar with a guy who's your guest, who's bigger than you. I, I mean, right, like, there's a thing here. This dude seemed like a perfectly nice guy, but I can't produce his name for you. I could pick him out of a lineup, but I could have produced his name for you, and it is opposite Andrew Schultz. Schultz is ready. Schultz is carrying weight. Dude's looking at text messages. Now dude's lying to Schultz, and he's trying to cover his tracks. He's trying to say, hey, I haven't done anything wrong. A perfectly normal conversation. We're flowing back and forth. I even prepped for it. All right. So Schultz stays cool with him. And the, the overall part that I did appreciate, and it is where I can stand with Schultz particularly, is was the guy playing a character. A number of people, when you do that, and when it's their show and they have the power, they just won't put it out. They cannot stand to look bad in any fashion. They would lose sleep if they knew somebody like me is over here and is going to comment on them and didn't say all these wonderful things and not put it out. This guy was a willful participant, and I, I must give him that credit. I've been in situations where you make great TV or you make a great interview, and they can't take the bumps, so it never sees the light of day, which does bring you back to Schultz's point, which was perhaps this guy was playing a character in the first place. Perhaps he really didn't act as though this show wasn't worth being ready for. Schultz, as a guest, wasn't worth knowing. Taking a text message live was worth lying about. I don't know. I don't actually know those things. I had one with a guy who's out of Seattle, and it's just a radio show. And the, the guy was terrible. I mean, each thing that he asked was terrible. Like, it, it was specific to the UFC. And he asked me, hey, do you, think the, do you think the UFC could ever get mainstream? Do you think they could ever come off a pay-per-view? And, you know, not only do we have the Fox deal at that time, I was the host of the show that Fox was producing called UFC Tonight. So he's literally asking me if, if he thinks we could get off of it. And it was just this weird thing. And you let it slide, right? You smarten a guy up. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, had some great luck with a new contract with Fox and getting out there and getting television, getting fights that are on linear TV as opposed to, I'm trying to educate him as we go. And he gets to like the fourth or fifth one. He says, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying this interview. So, so many people have told me that I shouldn't cover MMA, that I don't know a lot about it. I said, hey man, those people are your friends. You don't have the foggiest idea what you're talking about. And I said, that's really not the big part. The big part is that you didn't even try like, you're asking me questions from 1993, and now you're telling me that your own inner circle is telling you you don't know enough about it to go out and cover it. You didn't believe them. Here you are. They're right. Either engage and get involved or call it a day because you haven't said one thing that's within reality. He buries it. He buries the whole piece and never puts it out. It's like, oh, my God, that that was the piece. right? Like, that, that was the piece. I did another guy... Michael Landsberg, I don't even talk to Michael anymore. I used to, I consider him a friend. I did a piece with him. I did 20 minutes like this. 20 minutes. He told me he wanted a 20-minute piece. I call in. He puts me on hold. Uh, you know, hold on a telephone is a little bit rude when you're the one that scheduled it. But, but hold on a Skype where I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. Hold, that's a weird thing to do. Now, hey, hold on one second. 
I'm back. Totally different than 20 minutes. Okay, great. So I do the whole thing, and then we have this conversation. And I'm performing, right? I got high energy, and I'm coming out, and I'm telling them about whatever it was. I'm performing. I'm doing my job. We go through 20 minutes of it, and he says, all right, hey, let's start this thing. Honey, are you ready? His, da his daughter ran his camera. She says, honey, are you ready? My God. I said, you, we're not going? I said, that was the piece. You asked me for 20 minutes. I agreed to 20 minutes. I got a team here, too. I got other things to do. That was the piece. How did you not record? I not only hung up, I hung up and blocked him, I have never spoke to him again. It was so brutally rude and him not understanding. And when I'm scolding you and telling you it's rude and hanging up on you, that too is the piece. And so I got to give the guy credit. And I do wonder like Schultz, was that a character? Or was that incompetence? Either way, he did have courage. He pushed that button. He recorded the whole thing. And he brought it to us. So there's that. heavyweight division. There's a number of moving parts here. There's a number of stories that keep coming out about the heavyweights. I don't know that I can agree with a single one of them, by the way, and I, I feel as though I see contradictions, and I'm not turning on the media. I'm not even turning on you, the fans. I, the athletes are terrible with their messaging. I mean, let, let me give you a great example. <clears throat> so, John Jones isn't half bad at build a fight. I know he gets credited for being terrible at promotion, but he's not. I mean, the way he went after Daniel Cormier, just by example, it was authentic and it was real. He put down the fake Bible verses and the calm speaking. He put all that aside and he came out for what he is, which is a cage fighter. It's very interesting. The way that John attempted to build a fight with Francis Ngannou sucked until it was gone. And then John really did want it. And the very few things that he did were very captivating. Because he put the Bible down, he put the fakeness aside, and he came out for what he is, which is a dirty, rotten cage fighter. It was great. Now John is working a routine that he's considering retiring after Stipe. Now, you must understand what's happening here. There's no reason for these two to fight. So out of a desperation play... For a story, you gotta have a story, right? You can't market without a story. Somewhere out of a desperation play, the idea was hatched that we're gonna make this a retirement fight for both guys. Okay, great. And then John, over time, forgot that that was an angle. And this didn't take long. I mean, this was like two weeks of talking about, oh, I might retire, it might be my last one, to a fully committed, I'm retiring. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to fight those younger guys. So, so now you got a guy where we created an angle and he bought in to try to get some interest who now believes that it's true. And this happens every time. We as human beings are whoever we pretend to be. So, and I, I was worried about this. I made this piece at the time it happened. I said, hey guys, we got to be real careful here. John is not about to retire. 
He's not interested in retiring. He's not in a position to retire. Nothing about that is real. But if he keeps going with this, he'll forget and then he'll go retire. So back this up for you one time. John's going to retire after Stipe and he's further that thought, I'm not going to fight the younger guys. Where that becomes a problem He's already agreed to fight Pavlich, and he might be fighting Pavlich that very night. That fight of John and Stipe has a backup fighter, Sergi Pavlich. So they both can't be true. John cannot be Stipe or bust. Stipe and bust. He can't, that can't be and. If anything happens to Stipe, I'll fight Sergey. They can't be true at the same time. Hold that thought. Let's go over to Surreal. So, Surreal gone appears to have things figured out. I don't know that he needs the advice of Chael P. In all fairness, when you're one and one in your last two and you can walk into a world title fight, which he did, great job. If you can fight in your home country and do next to no media and sell the place out, great job. If you can get done with the fight and tell the world, not a name, not what you want, not that guy right there, Tom Aspinall, who is directly involved with this entire production. Like there's a number of people in the building that night and watching from around the world. And I know that because I was one of them. The only reason I'm still watching, once all the action's done, of course, the only reason I'm still there is because the only piece of business we haven't finished is between Surreal and Tom with a microphone in between them. And I'm excited about it, and I'm looking forward to it. And Tom did that. Tom created that whole thing. And Surreal not only didn't go for Tom, he didn't go for Pavlich, he didn't go for John Jones, he didn't go for Steve, he didn't go for anybody. He went for, and I quote, whatever moves me forward. Now, I don't know who wherever moves me forward is. I don't know where he trains at. I don't know where to find him. I don't know how big he is. I don't know what his record is. I don't know if he's scary. I don't know a damn thing about him. I don't know how you fight whoever moves me forward when you're ranked number one. Are, are you guys aware of that? And speaking of that ranking, so I guess that actually came out today. That actually came out after he fought. But this whole I'll do whatever moves me forward routine isn't what we just did. Uh, we we just fought a sold out on the worldwide leader wonderful performance gaining bonus against a guy who is not going to move you forward. As a matter of fact, he's ranked eight or nine places behind you. Hey, surreal! Isn't this actually what you want to do? Don't you want to keep fighting guys behind you in sold out arenas in main events? That when you go out and do exactly what everybody thought you were going to do, you can get a $50,000 bonus? Right? <laughs> I mean, what do you mean I want to go move forward? Who moves you forward? What moves you forward? Forward in what? Forward in what? In an unmanned, unnamed, unspecified ranking system where you can apparently beat a guy who's behind you and you can move forward? I mean, they put the ranking out today on Surreal. They're tied. <laughs> you can't have a tie. You can't have a tie. You can't have two number one contenders. You cannot have two champions. I don't make the rules. 
these words have meaning. You can't do that. They did it. They couldn't make a decision. They had a tie. They put a guy, not for another, but they put a guy who's two and two in his last four. Okay? He was he was he was one and two in his last three. He had a losing record out of his last three. Now, I, I admit they were against some studs. But, but he got a win, and that that even now he's two and two, right? Now he's batting 500. You got him tied with a 29 and one. I don't even know where that one came from. I'm talking about Sergei Pavlich. I don't even know how many in a row he's won. I know how many in a row he stopped by knockout in the first round. That's six. I don't know how many in a row he won. Maybe, maybe that's also six. Maybe it was the one before that went down. But you took a guy who stopped six men in a row in under five, and you just couldn't make a decision if he should be in front of or behind a guy with a losing record on Saturday, but evened it out to two and two in his last four. He just, he just couldn't make that decision, right? So you want to get moved forward if you're surreal guy. By who? I mean, is that who controls you? Do I control you, surreal? Is that how you see it? You want to get moved forward? You want me to say something nice about you? It doesn't have to be the, the, the direct me. Is that how this works? It's one of these spots where when I do look at the heavyweight division, I'm saying, hey, this is still a perennial division. It could be a lot better, right? It could be a lot better. John Jones has a skill that he doesn't know he has. John's interesting. Or at least John can be interesting. But... That's the John that's got just a little bit of edge to him. That's the John that's got a little bit of anger. You can see it in his eyes. When you get the real John and you see it in his eyes, not the one that's prepared to stay calm in this interview, that's got a headache from the party the night before, right? That, that, one, that one doesn't draw. But you do have an interest there, and I do think John is a competitor. I think he's a very legitimate competitor. And for him to come out and say, I'm retiring, when he's already agreed to fight Pavlich, I mean, I'm sitting here covering the guy. I've been covering him for months. It was months ago. They didn't know if they could get Stipe. They called John, will you do surgery? And he said yes. And John is okay for whatever reason with letting him write the story that he's not good with the next crew of guys. Surreal Gon's in that next crew of guys. John just beat that next crew of guys. I mean, not for nothing. John can go ahead and give himself a little bit of credit. And he's got a very difficult fight in front of him. People say that they, they want to see him fight Francis. Well, he's fighting the guy that beat Francis. Tell that part of the story. Surreal will fight anybody. He laid an egg against John. He got scared to death. Tell people that. Tell them why that haunts you. You're not the first, Surreal. You're not the first to find yourself in a situation and wilt. George St. Pierre was submitted by Matt Hughes with armbar. Matt Hughes has never submitted anybody with an armbar except the greatest fighter of all time. And George came out and he said, my God, here's what happened. I got in there, I got everything that I ever asked for, and I realized it was coming true, and I thought, I don't belong. I don't deserve to be in here. It was never about skills. It was never about a fight. In that moment, as we were being introduced, I look across the ring at a guy who's a main eventer, who's a champion, who I admired for years, and I thought, I don't belong. And he said, I've realized this. I fixed it. 
I'd like to hear that from Surreal. Why on earth would we ever put you back in there with John? Why should we even believe that you want to be in there with John? You told us that last time. You made it clear you didn't want to be in there with John. Well, the truth is, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I froze. I don't totally know what happened. But I'm willing to sacrifice, work hard, come back, earn my spot to fix this for myself. I can't let you think you're teasing me. You saw something that I don't know. Now, that's a captivating story, and that would be interesting. I don't know that it would be as interesting as addressing the guy that's sitting right down when we're all still here to see you do that. But I do know that both of those ideas, Trump fighting that guy, it moves you forward. <laughs> Have you guys ever wondered how your personal data shows up on the internet? I'm going to tell you, you gave some company at some time permission to use your information however they wanted. Perhaps when you clicked on that little box at the end of the online form, you also waved goodbye to your privacy, your address, phone number, where you work. The info found online is endless. This can lead to identity theft. It also makes it really easy to access your private accounts. I've always said I will fight anyone at any time, but there's one battle I prefer not to fight, the battle against data brokers. It's such a pain to try and get your information deleted from these sites. This is why I want to recommend Delete Me. Delete Me service was so easy and honestly, felt like a high-end luxurious service. All you have to do is complete a short form online with your past and most recent info and boom, they take care of the rest for you. It takes less than a few minutes to start wiping your personal info off the internet. It's not just one and done either. Delete Me will do a new search every quarter to make sure your information has not reappeared. It's like your own personal data concierge. Don't fight this battle on your own. Let Delete Me go to battle for you right now. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go join deleteme.com slash chael and you use the promo code chael. The only way to get 20% off is to join deleteme.com slash chael and enter the promo code chael at checkout. That's www.joindeleteme.com slash chael. Make sure you use the promo code chael for 20% off. Keep your personal data to yourself. I used to do a segment, and the segment would involve one question. It would be after a pay-per-view. So pay-per-views on Saturday, Monday morning rolls around. Whose stock went up the most? That was the question. And it was supposed to be like a really philosophical discussion. And I would do this opposite Errol Hawani, and we would both go back and forth. But the one thing about it, the one thing about that question is as much as it was intended to be a philosophical discussion for whose stock went up the most there was more of a scientific approach to actually answer the question. And you couldn't do it on a Monday, that would be impossible, but you could do it by the following Monday. And the way to know, after an event, who gained the most, who got the most traction, is who gets the most headlines the week after. Now, generally on a pay-per-view, zero is going to be your answer. It wouldn't matter if the world title was contested. Generally, the following week, the answer is zero. You're going to have one day, which is Monday. 
And that's because of the Ariel Hawanis of the world. That's because of the Lou Thomases of the world that have gone out and made Monday the day of the recap. But the way that an MMA time frame works is you have the match on Saturday. Sunday's a travel day. Nothing happens. The fans are traveling. The media that was there are traveling. The fighters are traveling home. Monday, you will do a recap. But come Tuesday, you turn that page and you move on to what's next, which, by the way, is coming up that very next Saturday. This is the recipe. I lay that out for you because you'd be stunned at who, how few of people know that. There's not 30 people in this business that could tell you what I just told you because they never stood back and looked at it. But it's a very relevant indicator. UFC 293 had a press conference today. You have what I believe the biggest star in the sport. Now, I'm removing Connor because Connor is not licensed. And he right now is not part of the sport. You have Israel Adesanya, who was the chosen one for the rollout of a brand new continental-wide television deal. They turned to their most reliable star. Okay. I went to the headlines today. The three top headlines have nothing to do with 293. The top three headlines are all Sugar Sean O'Malley. There was a piece on there where Gino Vera said that he expects Marab and Sterling to be punished by Dana White for refusing to fight each other, which is a piece about Sean. You had a piece on there about Marab, talking about his willingness and how he believes in still making his case in the, in the nine in a row. It's a good case. By the way, Marab is doing a great job, but it's still a piece about Sean. <clears throat> then you have a piece that was Sean himself saying that I knocked Marab out the night that I won the belt by knocking out Sterling. Sterling and Marab are the same guy. I've already beaten him. I've already shown I can beat that stuff. I'm only sharing with you. There's a press conference today, allegedly, with Fury and Angano. I gotta say allegedly, because I tried to find, click the links and everything, I, I couldn't get it, but allegedly that happened. And there was a press conference today for the world title fight that's gonna be contested with this brand new television deal in an absolutely sold out arena where they brought in their biggest star, Sean O'Malley had the top three headlines. And, and by the way, if I'm, if I'm being literal, those three headlines that I just cited for you were within the first five headlines. But within the first five headlines, he still got three for a fight that happened. And I tell you, the way to know scientifically who got the biggest bounce, whose stock went up, is to look at the, the next week. I didn't tell you to look at two weeks. I didn't tell you to look at three weeks because it's never happened. You could go back over history. You will not find a guy that is getting headlines for a fight that he had three weeks ago. It's never happened. It's happened once. It's happened today. It's happened with Sugar Sean. He would sit in that pool alone. Like if you if you were a data nerd and you wanted to go find it, you'll find nobody. You'll find guys over the course of the week. You're looking at one. But two weeks, you got a really small pool. And I'm talking about you're only going to need one hand. Week number three. You had zero until right now, Sugar Sean. And what does that mean? I mean, what do you want to do with that, right? Like, there's been breakdowns of the top stars in the flyweight division. Breakdowns of the top stars from the bantamweight division. And their numbers are very different, but they've also had less time. The women's division would be another great example. They've had less time. When did they start? It was 2013, 2012. That's not that long ago. 
And that was just for them to have the ability to compete as a sex. I, now you got all the different weight classes. They're doing main events. The women's headline UFC 200, just for example. I'm sharing with you that when you start to break it down, you start to look at it that way. Sean O'Malley doesn't go into that category. He is not one of the biggest stars in the bantamweight division. That, that would not be the appropriate way to word that. Sean O'Malley is a star. Hard stop. I don't need to add from the bantamweight division. Sean O'Malley is a star right now in the UFC. According to the headlines from the dot-coms that stay alive with one thing, your clicks and your interests, they have algorithms for who goes to the top, who stays there, and when they come down. Sean has three of them in the top five today. That's a stunning revelation. And I, I bring it to you because there's only been a couple of fighters throughout history who can draw on their own. In the world of boxing, it was said that De La Hoya and Mike Tyson were the only two through history. Now, that's an old quote I'm giving you. I think that you would need to amend that to add Floyd Mayweather. I think that you would need to amend that to add Conor McGregor. But you get my point. And as the sweepstakes is going around and the battles and the position are going on for who's next for Sean, the politics and the bureaucracy of, well, what's best for business? What's going to draw? Some of those same factors and motivators aren't at play here. It appears if you want to have a draw and you want attention and you want to get out there and you want to do a house and you want to do a radio, you want people's focus and you want media and you want support, the opponent is less important. It seems like the key is to have Sean. We have had seven months without an NFL game. That's crazy, right? Well, good thing is, that's over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app and see what you get. Download right now. Use the promo code CHAIL when you sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code CHAIL only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to number 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply.
press conference, 293, Sean Strickland shows up in a Crocodile Dundee hat. Sean Strickland was the most Aussie-looking person on the stage. It was awesome. Everything was awesome. I, okay, if you were to judge press conferences, what's your guys' favorite press conference? You probably wouldn't have an answer to that. You probably really have to think, like, I, I don't think we've ever put it in those kind of categories. I don't think there's ever been a list anywhere that lists press conferences, which only do uh, two things, right? They entertain you. And moreover, they build an anticipation and an interest in the fight. That's the whole reason that we have them. I love press conferences. I don't watch a lot of them, in fairness. I love them because I love the point that it shoves up every purist's ass. Every purist out there who goes on the internet and leaves comments and preaches from an attempt to be at a moral high point that this is about competition and skill and nothing else, that's what it should be. That person watches press conferences where there's no chance that a punch would be thrown and they enjoy them. That person that thinks words don't matter would consider it a punishment if their audio feed cut out. They would call the internet subscriber or the pay-per-view subscriber and want a refund. They'd stop watching the show. It's not true. They don't even mean it's true. They just think it is. They don't know themselves well enough and they definitely don't know the sport. And I, I bring that to you because... I couldn't go through and tell you a list of what the best press conference was. The second best, I can just tell you on a scale of 1 to 10, what we saw today for 293 was a 10. That's as good as you're going to get. That's as good as you're going to hope for at a press conference. Here's who you want to look at. John Anik. That's who hosted this press conference, okay? If John Anik is finding this painful and he's looking at his watch, go, oh my God, how many, how many more minutes do I have to do of this? Then you have a fail. When John Anik barely has to lift a finger and is actually smiling and enjoying it and is disappointed when they give him the cue to wrap things up, you have a success. So Sean Strickland, and you got to understand, each place that you go to has its own set of rules. And most people don't ever take the time to learn those rules. I mean, the things that you would do in Japan are very, very different. What they're looking for in Japan is wildly different. If you come to North America, and it's a very unique place, you could be an American. The fighter could be an American. The opponent could be a guest from a different country. And you will cheer for the guest, and you will boo the American. You could be in Cincinnati for a fight. They put a Cincinnati fighter out there and you boo the Cincinnati guy. That wouldn't happen anywhere else. That would never happen anywhere else. But I will tell you who's close. I will tell you who's close to just showing an appreciation for the entertainment that they're brought is Australia. And I feel as though you saw that today. The star of that press conference was Sean Strickland. And he wasn't getting booed, and he was saying scathing things against their hero. Meanwhile, their hero, and I'm talking about Adesanya, is sitting up there being a gentleman. I mean, the behavior that Adesanya has is the nicest you're going to see Adesanya, but there was a way that he wanted to portray himself to this crowd. So Strickland comes out, I mean, he's lighting this thing on fire, and he keeps calling Izzy Chinese. There, there's a Chinese, somewhere Izzy did something that has to do with I'm Chinese. I actually didn't see it. I don't fully know what it is, but to my understanding, it was like a commercial. He was paid to do something, and I tie that in because Izzy used that against Sean today as it relates to Monster Energy. Sean recently got a Monster Energy deal, 
And Izzy and Monster have some weird relationship that's, again, is another thing that's never fully been explained to me. But I have seen Izzy go to press conferences where a monster can is sitting there. I've seen him go up, chuck the can out of the way before the press conference starts. Like, he's putting out a message. There's something there between him and Monster. So Izzy decided to use the monster relationship to give Sean a hard time. Now, fair enough, right? Everything here is fair game. But you will also see the great performers, and Sean is a performer, you will see the great performers wilt when they go into certain environments. When Sean is at home and he's comfortable at what he'll say and do about Australia in this case. But then when he goes to Australia, it's going to be very different. And of course, that's not what Sean did. The truly great performers don't ever break character. And Sean brought it just as hot to the Australian crowd as he brought about the Australian crowd while he was at home in Las Vegas. I mean, I just bring to you, like, it's entertaining. It was fun. And by the way, if Sean would have shut down, I don't know that he would have won the press conference because Izzy came in a little bit reserved by Izzy standards. Izzy was getting irritated and Izzy was getting things under his skin, but the greatest line of the entire press conference belongs to Izzy and the crowd didn't pop. The greatest line of the press conference is when, when Sean comes at Izzy for being the Chinese champion. And Izzy responds, I am the Chinese champion, and I am the Brazilian champion, and I am the Australian champion, and I am the American champion. I am the world champion. It was great. It was poetry. And it was pocketed. He knew it was coming. He knew the Chinese stuff was coming. He was ready for it. He had an answer. I love that kind of stuff. I'm just sharing for you. The greatest line of the press conference didn't get much of a pop at all. Because Sean had changed the rules of the press conference. He had upped the intensity. He had upped the words. He comes out in, in an outfit. He comes out in a crop. It was a simple hat that he probably paid about $19.95 for with tax. But it was a crocodile Dundee hat. Like there, there was no more of a quintessential, I am an outback. I am a bushwhacker myself. I'm an aborigine. Than this hat. And I don't think he brought it in to serve them. Like, you'll see a politician, right? Hillary Clinton moves to New York. She's not from New York. She moves to New York. She announces her candidacy, and then she puts on, like, a Yankees hat or a Mets jersey, something like that. Sean did not do this to please them, okay? This was not his Hillary Clinton in a Yankees hat moment. He did this to mock them, <laughs> okay? The Australian crowd was cool enough to appreciate it. They weren't mad about it. They weren't going to go kill him over it. They weren't chanting bad things to him over it. They appreciated the effort because they knew that this was about entertainment. There is no punches that are going to be thrown. Then you've got, there's this gentleman comes in from, from Rising. His name is Kane. Kane's all kinds of pissed off. He's pissed off about Kai Car France. He was supposed to fight Kai Car. Kai Car gets a concussion, pulls out. They bring in a Brazilian gentleman who's 7-0, who's an excellent fighter. So the fight stays intact. The training stays intact. The date stays intact. The paycheck is the same. It stays intact. Kane's still pissed off. He's pissed off at Kai Car France. To the point that Kai Car shows up to the press conference, Kane takes a water ball and throws at him in the front row. Izzy, who's a leader and a captain within that gym, that's his teammate. He's too far away. Izzy's going to deal with it. Now, Izzy's got to stand up, but Izzy doesn't want to do that. He's got business to do with Strickland. Oh, and by the way, he's trying to put his best foot forward. This is an audience in a crowd where Izzy is trying to put a different vibe forward. 
So, but now he's got to deal with Kane, and Kane doesn't back down. He puts a finger in Izzy and tells him to sit to the point that Ty Tuivasa has to tell them both, settle down. And by the way, when Ty told them to do it, they did, which I thought was cool. Tuivasa is a guy that I, I am so interested in because he got as far as rank number four in the world. He got as far as a main event fight against Surreal Gone. He got as far as conversations that if he beat Surreal, he was going to go and fight for the belt. He got as far as all of this. I tell you, he's not very good. Now, when I tell you he's not very good, I don't mean it as an insult at all. Tai Tuivasa is the closest thing in 2023 that we've ever seen to Tank Abbott in 1995. Tai Tuivasa is a fighter. He is a cage fighter. And somebody else is saying he's a martial artist. He's not. He's not saying any of those things. He is going to go and fight you. So when I say, when I tell you he's not very good, when I'm speaking, this number four guy in the world, this is a guy in the conversation. This guy that is one punch away at one point in his career from being next for a world title fight. He's awesome. He's an awesome fighter. He's not a very good mixed martial artist. I like that. I think that that is an awesome thing. And it also speaks to his potential. It speaks to the way he's going to grow. You're going to see, Tanya, you've already seen it right front, but you're going to see leaps and bounds. Now, he's being tested here with Volkov. Volkov is a mixed martial artist. Volkov is the definition of a technician. They've got a technician versus a brawler in a huge spot, right? Like, that's the problem with, with it being in tie shoes. He's a star. People absolutely love him. So you have to put him in good placements on a card. If you put him in good placements on a card, you got to bring in really good opponents. Like, you go look at who two of us is fine. I'm telling you, he's not very good. Go look at his record, because it's good. Go look at his win-losses, because it's good. Go look at how many great fighters he's knocked out, because it's good. And by the way, Tuivasa showed, <laughs> he showed up with his new haircut. His haircut was as cool as a headpiece as Sean Strickland's hat. And if you didn't see the press conference, don't go back and watch it. The only thing more exciting than that press conference is my recap. And for that, you're welcome. So I asked the question a few times. I've got my answer. I've asked you guys multiple times, is Derekas Duplisi going to be in Australia? Is he going to follow the instructions given to him by the champ who said, I will reward you with a title fight if and only if you're in attendance? And I got my answer. No. The answer is no. He is not going. He is not there. He's not coming in. I don't know why. I wish I did. I think that would be helpful. I think Drakus can tell Izzy to take his ideas and shove them up his ass. I'm not coming because you told me to be. You don't tell me what to do. I think that it would be something like that. That didn't happen. But we do know that he's not going to be there. All right, great. Well, how sincere was Izzy, right? I mean, it's a wildly interesting question. One, that's an interesting fight. That That's the fight that we thought we were going to have. It's a fight that we wanted to have. They were going in directions that were, they were hot. So I'm just sharing with you. I don't know that that can be replaced. I don't know that there's even a really strong argument to replace it. I think Izzy has some incredible skills with a microphone and he could create something quickly with a guy who's there in Jared Cannonier. But Izzy's going to be working alone if he goes into partnership with Cannonier. So it, it's, it's, it's an interesting spot. I would think that we're going to do that fight, not because people want to do it and not because history says that if you pass on fights, you can still get the fight. It's not. I don't think that there's another option. 
I don't think it's realistic for Izzy to say, I'm looking at the winner of Chemayev and Paulo Costa as long as it's Chemayev. Oh, and by the way, that's a month away. That's just not his style. He does it and he does it that night. But he generally will also do it with somebody who's there and he made it very clear. You got to be there. Now, how much are we going to hold Izzy to that? Us? Not at all. Zero. Zero. He can go fight him until he has to be there and he's not there. That, But how much will Izzy hold him to that? Is Izzy going to let it be known that he can tell a guy to do this one thing? I'll make you rich. I'll give you an opportunity that I already gave you and I shouldn't give it to you again, but I will give it to you again. But you're going to sit there if the guy doesn't sit there. Well, let's throw it back to Izzy to find out. And we've got a little bit of an answer because he was at a press conference yesterday and he said Duplices is going to have to do one or two fights before he gets to me. I'm not going to go to him next. Okay, that's strong. That sounded like the Izzy that I know, comma, not period. Going to have to ask Dana. Now, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a completely different statement. He needs to do one or two fights. He shouldn't have turned down this opportunity. You're going to have to ask Dana. That is a massively different statement. Okay, great. Let's go do that very thing. And guess what? Somebody did. Did you hear what Dana said? Dana said, I don't love it when guys turn down fights, but we'll see what happens. So that apparently is what we have to go off of. Izzy took the ball and passed it. So now we don't. We no longer need to know what Izzy thinks. He said he's going to think whatever Dana thinks. Dana says, I don't love it, but we'll see what happens. So it's still on the table very much. Now, the, the, the good news is Cannoneer does not know the math. He doesn't know the history of Izzy. He doesn't know that Izzy calls people out live that night. He doesn't know that Izzy has picked his own opponents his entire reign. He doesn't know that he is the highest ranked and only middleweight that will be in attendance that night. He doesn't know any of these things. So he's not going to do anything. So there is room for Duplessis to keep this thing very sharp and very interesting. And we need to see what happens. We really need to see what happens. Because the way that Chemayev and Paulo Costa came together, Right, The fact that they broke Paulo off of a fight that he had already done his training camp for to move him to a different date is not something that I personally believe would be done or could be done without a promise of a title fight with a victory, which makes that an unnamed number one contenders match. Now, again, I admit it to you guys, right? I, I hinge sometimes on the idea that there's information out there that they've kept from us, and very seldomly is that true. So I fully admit for you that this is a guess. And for the first time ever, possibly Adesanya won't call somebody out. Me telling you what Duplices needs to do to get the fight, or me telling you what Jared Cannonier could and should have to expect come Saturday all hinges on the idea that history repeats itself and Izzy calls out his next opponent right then. He might not. I was very surprised at the press conference when he made a definitive statement of Duplessis needs one or two more victories for turning this down. We'll have to see what Dana says. He's very respectful. He's very polite. I'm, just, I'm sharing for you. He has now passed the ball. 
and for the guy in the company's history who has controlled his own career more than any athlete has ever even thought of doing, it was a surprise. But here we are. And I will tell you, in all fairness, I don't know of a fight that could touch public interest Adesanya versus Duplissy. But there could be things that we don't know. I don't know of a fighter like Adesanya who can fight in five-round main events, train that same way, travel around and do the media, and not need a break and need a little bit of time off. That could be what's coming. Hey, guys, going to take some time off. That Then that way, what that does is buys you an opportunity to see the Jemayev Paulo Costa fight. But, I mean, what's a pound of flesh? Do you want to fight Duplices or not? Do you want to punish Duplices? That was it is. Okay, great. Don't fight him. That'll punish him. Or do you want to fight him? There's only one way to fight him, which is by fighting him, right? So, so we're, we're in this very precarious position of which gets disqualified instantly should Sean Strickland beat him. Then you get a wrench thrown into everything. So you got to make your moves and you, you, you got to make your plays. But you got a bunch of guys here that are sitting around with their thumb in their ass. And by the way, that has really been the story of 2023. Like guys have gotten fights that should, they did nothing strategic to get them. The good news was no one around them did either. So eventually you just kind of spin the ball around and the power ball comes out and you, you hey, it's this guy. So, I mean, you got a crew of 85 pounders. The only one that's done anything to get a fight with Izzy is Sean Strickland, who, by the way, is fighting Izzy. You then have a whole crop of them who, in my opinion, they made it clear I don't want to fight him. If you don't call a guy out, it's not because you're a gentleman, it's not because you're polite, it's because you don't want to do the fight. It's the same reason people don't call Volkanovsky out. They do the fight when their phone rings, right? They do the fight to the point that Volk has to call them out for not calling him out. You got one guy who went after the fight, and he got it. I mean, this is just a glaringly obvious situation of what you do. You go after guys. Unless you don't want to fight them. There's all sorts of things you can do. You cannot show up. You can back down. You can fake an injury. I mean, there's a million things that you can do. Turns out we got a million middleweights all doing one of them. Coach Eric Nixick. Now, Eric is the head coach of Extreme Couture, but he is also quietly one of the most successful coaches in MMA. He might be the most successful active coach in MMA. If he can extend this, then we have a conversation about the greatest coach ever. And he's, he's one of these unsung heroes. But Eric Nixon was quoted today because he told the media that Adesanya, and, and, and don't forget, Eric is the coach of Sean Strickland. He's the head corner man, head coach. And he stated to the media that for Sean, his student, Adesanya, is a effing nightmare of a matchup. The media then tried to use that against Eric and against Strickland. In the vein of even Sean's coach doesn't think he can win. Even Sean's coach admits Adesanya is better. Now, first off, those words were not spoken. But number two, they would have greatly missed the point. I loved that Eric did this. 
I loved it. When you're going into a fight, you've got to be very realistic with each other. You have to. That's what training camp is about. That's when you lay out the game plan and you lay out the strategy. You have to be very, very realistic. And for Sean, who is essentially an, he's an excellent kickboxer, but he's essentially a self-trained kickboxer. Like, I have known Sean from the beginning of his career, but I don't know who trained him. I don't know what gym he learned at. When I met him, he was at the Rain Training Center, but prior to, he he showed up 17-0 with a whole bunch of skills in the King of the Cage Championship. He's only 21 years old. I mean, in all fairness, he came from somewhere. But I've never seen anybody take the credit for it. I've never seen photos going around social media. I never hear Sean talk about the days, you know, I was eight years old and my dad dropped me off at the Cronk gym. Like, I I don't know anything about that. So you have a guy who's excellent at it, but he's self-trained. He's going to take on a guy that was 27 and three in professional kickboxing. Is that right? Is that on his record? I know I'm real close. And yeah, there's some problems with that. There's some real matchup problems. Who's a better fighter? That's not fully what this is about. Then how would you break that down? Who would you rather learn from? Who knows more? If you have a magic wand, your son's going to be a fighter. You give him this guy's skills or this guy's skills. It starts to be a really hard conversation because when you match them up, those skills don't always come through. If you have a bad matchup and a bad plan, you got you got a guy with a longer reach and he's better in this area, right? Where you have common opponents and you, you've got mixed results. What Nick Six said was very true. Now, don't isolate and don't be misled by that line, particularly if you read it for clickbait. Because if you take it into context with the entire article, Coach Nixick was laying out, this is a nightmare. We're going to have to change things. We don't expect Izzy to change them because he has the advantage. We have the disadvantage within this matchup. So we are the ones that are going to change things. And we need to make it dirty. I apologize. We need to make it ugly. And allow me to condescend. But if, if you don't know what that term means, and you might not, like if you if you didn't do this somewhere within your background, you might not know what it means when a coach says, go out and make things ugly. But Adesanya fights a very beautiful style. It's very crisp and it's very clean. When it's time to scramble, he's scrambling. When it's time to set guys up, he's setting them up with rhythm, with dance moves. When it's time for the water break, he goes over the court. Like he really isolates things into departments. When it's time to jab, followed by a cross, followed by a slip, kick to the head. Like it's all by the numbers. It's a very beautiful style. And you have to be so elite to fight like that, that I could probably only name five guys in history and I have to bring boxers into it to tell you five guys that can fight the way that Izzy fights, but it's clean and it's pretty. So what coach is talking about is everywhere that would be illegal in kickboxing, everywhere that would be illegal in boxing, but is allowed in MMA, that's what's considered ugly. Randy Couture showed us dirty boxing. It is illegal in boxing to grab a guy by the back of his neck and start punching him in the face. It's illegal because it's so wildly effective. Boxing matches would be over too quickly. We see this in in, in wrestling. There's two different moves. One is called a gut wrench and one is called a leg lace. But if you find a gut wrench and you find a leg lace, the match is going to get ended. So they just made it illegal to do two in a row for a period of time. Over a period of time, wrestling found out it's better if the match gets ended and they brought it back recently. But I'm sharing with you, when you start to have these different kinds of techniques that aren't allowed in a specific sport, that's where you want to look. They don't ban things 
because they're too dangerous. And I realize there is some of that. But they also don't ban things because they don't work. Sports will ban things, excuse me, that work too well. If it works so well that it will impact the growth and the length of the sport, they make it illegal. Those things are the first thing you want to observe. You go to boxing class, you want to find out what are you not allowed to do in boxing? Well, the referee will step in and he'll break it if you ever guys get, ever get chest to chest. Okay, great. So if I'm fighting a boxer, get chest to chest. He won't know what to do there. He spent his whole life having a referee break him apart instead of having to get himself apart. That's the first thing of my clue that I need to do. I'm just sharing these things with you because this is what Coach Nixick is talking about and he's completely correct. And the fact that he has revealed that to you makes it crystal clear that he has revealed that to his student. It ups their chances. Sean Strickland is currently... This is according to DraftKings, but that's who I go to. He is currently the biggest underdog that Izzy has ever faced. Or another way to say that, Izzy has never been a bigger favorite against any opponent except for Sean Strickland. And I like what Coach Eric said. If they go out and fight him like they've fought other guys, if you go and watch five Sean Strickland tapes and five Izzy Izzy tapes, yes, go, go bet on Izzy. This one seems pretty straightforward. It's just a bad matchup. Not necessarily a reflection on their skills. It's a bad matchup. That's true. But if Sean is to have a chance to pull an upset, and as calm as Sean is, as confident as Sean is, as much as Sean worked to get this fight because he knows there's an opportunity here, And then Sean comes out and he fights a style unlike those five fights that you saw. That's where the opportunity comes. That's where he can put Izzy in a a spot that a fight turns out to be harder than Izzy thought it was going to be. And nothing causes an upset greater than when that happens. So for anybody that read that interview or read the clickbait or thought that Coach Nixick said something bad about his student, you didn't take it into context and you didn't understand it. The message is spot on. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the fights tomorrow night. I know I certainly can't wait. I'm going to be back on Tuesday to react to everything we saw. And until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. Have a great weekend, everybody. You're welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.